Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Guys, I'm right here, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. There's a place I go to escape from my memory. I can almost hear the waves and feel the tropical breeze I see the moonlight on her face and the wind in her hair Her cotton dress clinging to her skin in the warm August air Ooh, hot summer nights Summer nights. Welcome to Melt Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck and I'm Clint Wells. And I'm Paul Moak. Hey, Yay. Paul Moak is here. It's Yay. been too long. And it's, you know what that means, yeah. right? That means Paul Moak's in the house these days. That's a guaranteed tangent city. That's yep. a guaranteed tangent city. That means we hopped in the RV, yeah. took a little road trip, yeah. and we saw our exit coming up, and it's to the center of town in Tangent City. Population three. That's right. <laughs> well, population tens of thousands all over the world. Yeah. In fact, we finally got our first email. I don't know if we're going to read it today, but we got our first email from Japan. No way. Yeah, we, we are going to read it. Which I've noticed. Samim moved. <laughs> oh, we can only, I mean, we can only <laughs> dream to hear from my him mom, again. actually. She's been in Okinawa for like six months now. Um, yeah, well, we're worldwide. But Tangent City, it's for everyone. It's kind of like the great state of New Jersey. That's right. Or are you worldwired? We're hardwired to worldwired in worldwide. Tangent City. Tangent City. Who's the mayor of Tangent City? And they have given us a key to the city, right? Who's the mayor? The mayor of Tangent City is Mega Dave the mayor. Mm. I couldn't abide that. I don't know if I'd want to live in a in a city where he was the mayor. Well, I'm glad we're here. It's been a while, as Aaron Lewis's want to say. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a great start. And uh, we've got a bunch of interesting stuff to talk to. Now, the, the, I know this is actually kind of antithetical to Tangent City, but I've actually got a few things I want to talk to you guys about. Awesome. And we'll see where the road goes. We may get to them. We may not. But we also have the housekeeping. We're going to read some emails, check in with the fam. That's right. See what's going on. But first, got a little bit of news. We got a really good response to the Hot Summer Nights Part 1. <laughs> it, Hot Summer yeah. Nights. Summer, yeah. I can feel, I feel it. it. I can feel it. <laughs> Tropical uh, breeze. So, can I tell you guys that, you know, I don't think it's any secret that even when I'm not on here, I walk my dog and I listen to Metal Up Your Podcast. Yeah. Right? right? And so, I was screaming on Belmont Boulevard in my head, like, <laughs> I have that demo reel, you know? I think it was like probably 01, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I had a feeling while we were doing that episode that we were kind of like, I don't know, It's it was such an insider secret. For like twenty years, and now we we kind of let the genie out of yeah. the box a little bit, yeah. But I mean, th- that got passed around Nashville and probably more cities so many times. Yeah. I got it around oh one oh two as yeah. well. well. What was amazing was if you had it was like the mixtape, 
Mm-hmm. You had right. to give it to somebody. Right. It yeah. didn't exist online. I burned it for many people yeah. back then. It was it was super exciting because it was like this little gem of all these terrible songs. Do you know what mine was labeled? What? Oh man. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like oh H. Right. It reminds man me. Dot, dot, dot. I, I got to say, right here at the top of Tangent City, there's a little thing it reminds me of. Now, I don't know. I'll be the I'll fall on the sword on this one if you guys want me to. So feel free to feel free to just listen if you want. All right. But there was a little thing that also got passed around when I was in high school, similarly difficult to get your hands on. It was basically like gold. And I'm talking about a little thing called the Pam and Tommy tape. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Which is now a series on Netflix like there, or like Hulu. Here, here are a few things that like... My little band of misfits like to get our hands on around that time. The Anarchist Cookbook. What's that? You remember that? No. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like a dumb book about like how to how to make bombs and shit. Oh wow. And we thought we were real edgy. Right. We were like, man, like if a friend of ours got the Anarchist Cookbook, we were like, holy shit, dude, can I borrow that in like June? Wow. The other thing was the <laughs> Pam and Tommy tape. Now talking about labeling things weird. Now I admit to you guys, I I procured that tape and I enjoyed looking at it. Okay. <laughs> right. I'm just gonna be honest with you guys. Um, but I had written on the label honeymoon. Oh, because let's face it, that's what it was. They were on their honeymoon. Right. They were having a nice time. Right. Husband right. and wife together in union. That's a nice thing. And I put it in the Monty Python and the Holy Grail Section. VHS sleeve at my house. Oh, yeah, in the yeah. den. Yeah, yeah. And I'm spending the night with a friend. My parents are having some buddies over. Oh, no. <laughs> they're having a few cocktails, and they're like, "Let's watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail." No. They go to put it in, and they notice... This was all told to me later, after I got in trouble for this, by the way. Um, They pull it out, (laughs) and it says honeymoon. And they're like, what is this? So with a group of maybe eight or nine of my parents' friends, they put in the Pam and Tommy tape. Wow. Now, they got a good chuckle out of it, because let's face it, that's funny. I was a 13-year-old kid. What do they... Right. They they know what's up. They know what's going on. Here's the problem. They got rid of it. It didn't belong to me, dude. Oh, no. That was being passed around at school, and it was basically like treasure. Right. So I had to go to school and let all my homeboys know, Pam and Tommy tape's gone. <laughs> Bye-bye. I mean, that was bound to happen with a bunch of 13-year-olds passing around. Yeah, but you around. don't want it. It's like, it's like hot potato. You don't, you don't want it to be you. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course not. But it was going to happen, It was tough news because there were, you know, there were some guys in my little group that hadn't seen it yet. Mom, yeah. of all the movies you could have watched, Monty <laughs> Python. Don't watch Honeymoon. So you had... Was it Appetite for Destruction? That was my, yeah, ripped up in my face. But that wasn't, uh, that, someone gave me that. It was like, a, you know, a gift. Right. Right. Still is very sad. So. That's <laughs> sad. I have a song that I think should be added to Hot Summer Nights. Okay. That was sent to me. So basically, my, you know, I'm from Mississippi. My mom and I made a pact a long time ago that no solicitation to Nashville through mom. Oh, yeah. Because people come up to her all the time, and they're like, my daughter is the best singer ever, and can she have a meeting with your son? And she's always like, yes, go through his website, you know, whatever. Five, five, five. And can your husband (laughs) hook him up with a car? Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So uh, my mom calls me one day. This is probably five years ago. And she was like, I could not get out of this situation without giving your email to these people. They're sending you a song. I told them that you would listen to it, critique it, and give them your thoughts. 
I'm sorry. I got cornered at a wedding. You know, whatever. I've I've had similar things happen. I was like, it's okay, mom. In my inbox comes an email. Ding. You and I pulled mail. it up as, for, as for you're tonight. talking to your mom. Uh, and the only thing in the email is the MP3, right? And this is the title. Here we go. Jihad for Jesus. <laughs> my gosh. Here we go. Okay. Woo. Now you're about to play this, and we, Ethan and I have never heard it. Yep. Never heard it. But you've heard Hot Summer Nights. Oh, yeah. You've heard Nightingale. I've heard Kill Me. Oh, yeah, I've heard Kill Me. Oh, Nightingale. <laughs> you've heard uh, the I Safe Sex Man. Rap. Oh, well, no, we haven't, we haven't gone to that one no, yet. We haven't you haven't heard one. the Safe Sex we, no, we, no. we split it up into, into two parts. Part two oh, is for patrons. We haven't yeah, done but that you one. You guys yet. have heard it. Well, we've heard it, yeah. Which, okay. by the way, part two of Hot Summer Nights, it's going to be on Patreon. It's going to be on very soon. Um, all right, so Jihad for Jesus. Yes. Okay. And, you know, we'll let the folks at home decide. <laughs> Email in if you want this added to the. Patreon. Okay. okay. If you want to enjoy this on your own time. What I love about this before I play it is I was immediately thrown off and mildly offended by the title. Right. Right. Well, I can understand why. And then comes the audio, which is a whole nother level of offense. We still have a song to listen to. Ready? We we won't listen to the whole thing. I'll just play like Well, because jihad, jihad means holy war, right? Yes. Yeah, so here we okay. go. All right. Yeah. I mean, it goes without saying that <laughs> the tagline to the chorus, Jihad for Jesus, is a blatant violation of both religions, right? <laughs> okay, here we go. Come on. Not bad. Is her voice the actual jihad? <laughs> Drums. That vibrato. Yeah. It's kind of like Nightingale. Wow. <laughs> I mean, so, what's wrong with these people? So, yeah. Put per- yourself in my shoes, dude. My mom promised these people that I would critique the song. Or they were going to start Jihad. Where do you, <laughs> where do you even start? Wait, okay, so... They also the singer supposedly this was five years ago in her twenties. In her twenties? Yeah. I thought you only got vibrato like that's an old soul. Lived seventy years. So were you supposed to provide feedback via your mom, or did you have this person's contact? They sent you the MP3. I think I think it went through my mom. I can't remember, but I actually typed up an email and I said regarding production. I think there's some. (laughs) Some tightening. <laughs> In regards to the production, uh, let's talk firstly of production. Yes. Um, I said I, th- I think you can probably tighten up some of the, the <laughs> instrumentation, right? I said I said regarding the vocal, I like the tone of the singer. The vibrato 
might need to be reined in just a little bit. You think you were a saint, dude? I said it sounds very uh, church choiry right now. And She's the like, first thing yeah. I thought of was like, we're at a Christmas service or something. I said, if you want to get more commercial, probably lose a little bit of vibrato. And also lose jihad. And and I ended with, I think there might be a, a, a some confusion about what the <laughs> definition of jihad is. <laughs> I would really consider looking that up and rethinking... <laughs> How you're writing this chorus? What do you think? What do you think her her reasoning for writing that chorus was? Is she saying I'm jihad for Jesus? Like, well, okay. I'll start a holy war for Jesus. So if you break it down, that's some scary shit. A, a jihad, the definition in in the dictionary. Trust me, because I went to the you know it, went to Webster's dot com right away. I play this weekly for every artist <laughs> that I work with. But uh, Ann, Ann Wilson's going to. I was about to say Ann Wilson's covering it on the next tour. It's. Uh, Militant action against anything that's threatening Islam, right? So how does that work when you're jihading for Jesus? Well, I, I mean, I can tell you why she wrote it. It's because she's not smart, and she doesn't understand what she's talking about. There's to be, that, to yes. be fair, I don't know that she wrote it. I think she might have just been singing it. <laughs> so someone wrote it for her. I think it was the oh, dude she that go, produced she, it. Did she go to like a pub, pub, publishing house to get, get that oh song? Oh, my God. Yeah, Big Yellow Dog. Anyway, doesn't that belong on yeah. Hot Summer Nights? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Does. There is like a high degree of kind of strange, warped, like religious music on that. Like, By the way... Uh, their response to my email, non-existent. They just never wrote back. Mm-mm. Well, you probably just shattered them, even though that was like one of the most diplomatic, generous yeah. responses to Jihad for Jesus I can imagine. <laughs> it, it, it honestly, it's, pro- it's probably like you know the American Idol auditions where someone r- really bad comes in, and they basically tell them no, and then they go outside and their and their mom and dad are going, "You don't listen to Paula right, Abdul right. and Steven Tyler. You're the great, greatest singer ever." Right. All their friends probably at church were like. He's crazy. Like, he, how does he have a career in Nashville? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this much: it did spark up a new conversation with my mom about the boundaries of yeah, right. <laughs> what to say. Right. Well, and listen, that conversation is now continuing on to this podcast. Thankfully, <laughs> Jihad for Jesus. You all heard yeah. it here first, folks. The reason we got to that was because the first thing in the news is uh, if you're uh, on Patreon, Patreon and you haven't checked the last few days. I went ahead and added the track "Hot Summer Nights" well, yeah, for your listening pleasure. We got a ton of emails saying, "Can we please have a copy?" Of yeah. yeah, can we please? Hear well, us? where where can we get this? So, for all those that are that are listening that are not Patreons, patrons, yeah, uh, you're missing out Just, on not only "Hot Summer Nights," but right now I'm the only person on the planet that has a copy of "Jihad for Jesus," <laughs> and I'm well, thinking the, about dumping it on this uh, old Patreon well, there's, site. Th- there's two people that have a copy, yeah. of it, <laughs> at, at least that we know of. <laughs> Um, also in the news, uh, Metallica is about to uh, res- they do their rescheduled South America tour starting in San Diego, Chile on April 27th and in, in Belo Horizonte. Come to Brazil. Brazil. Come to Brazil. On May 12th, which is cool. That I know that our South American friends down yeah. there have been waiting a long time for They've that. They've been waiting. That's patiently. exciting. Uh, this is kind of cool. Black and American Whiskey uh, just today, as of, as of as recording this, announced uh, a new bottle of Blackened called Rye the Lightning. <laughs> Love it. Clever. It's at spring 2022, which is right now. So hopefully that will be out soon. I love raw whiskey. But it was cool. The little trailer they, th- they threw out there for it was pretty rad. It's Rob Dietrich, like going through vinyl, picking up the Ride the Lightning, you know, a record, and then like pouring a little rye whiskey. And you know oh, what? Wow. We're about to be in Denver. We're playing the Mile High Stadium. We are. And we should reach out to Rob. We should. Yeah, it's a great idea. I don't know if Ann Wilson plays stadiums, dude, but <laughs> well, yeah, we're doing count them one, two, three, four this year. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, that's who cool. are you playing with? Uh, Morgan Wade. Uh, no. She's this artist that um, she's recorded <laughs> here a bunch, actually. Luke, Luke Combs. Oh, okay. Luke cool. Combs. Yeah. yeah. 
How did that guy go from like I don't I don't know his story, but I feel like he came out it's a tale as old as with time. a record and then all of a sudden he's in stadium. He had like ten number ones on it. Wow. He he, he blew he, up. Well what happened is, you know, I respect him. Some of our friends are in his band. I know that camp. They're all mm-hmm. great dudes. A lot of the dudes that came with him are like homegrown from his hometown, which is outside of Nashville. So oh, it's wow. kind of a as far as things can go in Nashville, it's pretty organic. That's he, cool. He kind of just came out. He wrote a lot of songs that are just right down the center. And I think people were... It's kind of like the reason that people responded to Rodney's music, honestly, is like, it's traditional. It's down the center. There's not a lot of pop in it. It's yeah. just kind of good old boy country. Yeah. And I just think the country market was kind of ready for someone mm-hmm. to come back and do that. Wow. And it's pretty rad that a guy like that uh, has been so successful and he's not this... Like, he's this big country dude like you know what i mean it's he, not about the look he's not, not like about the look yeah exactly. he's not like a dirk spintley good looking guy yeah. yeah he's not like this model guy with like perfect hair or whatever and like like me I like yeah like clint exactly and um <laughs> i i just lo- i love I, I i i'm excited to you know watch his show and stuff like that and we know a couple guys in span like clint said my friends that work for him say he's an amazing boss and so i <clears throat> anytime i hear that someone treats their people well yeah i don't give a fuck what kind of music it yeah. is i just mm-hmm. You know, one of the stories I heard about Dirks is because he also has a great reputation. Yeah. And I, a friend of mine auditioned for him, and it came down to just the last two. He didn't get it. Dirks paid him for the audition, which never happens. Wow. Wrote him a handwritten letter. Uh, oh, called him personally to tell yeah. him, like, hey, you didn't get the gig, but here's why you didn't get it. Here's what I really loved about your playing. Mm. Paid him for the audition. It's cool. You yeah. know, took care of his people during COVID. Like, those things go a long way for yeah. me. Absolutely. He lives around the corner from me, and I can honestly say he's a good dude. Right. Who, Does Dirk, he, Dirks? Yeah. Does he listen to Metal he, Podcast? He, no, but he loves my dog. I walk my dog past his house, and he's like, Junior! There's that dog again. I love the dog. Dude, you should put headphones on Junior next time you go by his house. And he was like, what's your dog listen to? Oh, this podcast called Metal Podcast. <laughs> you, should, you should come on. Um, all right, cool. Moving on. Moving on. Um, so, uh, one of our... Uh, Chosen winners did not claim their prize of the Metal Beer Podcast water bottle. I'll Lost. take it. So I went, I could give it to Paul or I could announce the name of the winner. <laughs> raise your hand if you think I should get it. Me and Clint did not raise our hands, by the way. Oh, shit. I mean, here's the thing like, I could not read the name. No. And Paul dude, can give it away. <laughs> I'll give you mine. Give it away, give I'm it away, give kidding. it away now. Yeah. Uh, Sasha Middleman. Congratulations. You get the water bottle. the big winner I, of I know the water you're listening. cooler. I have the water cooler. A cooler? I thought it was a bottle. It's a bottle. Clint always says cooler, and it's funny. I have like a mental block where I keep mm. calling it a cooler. This is probably a stroke or something. Or, cooler. Today, Junior. It's a tumor. It's not a tumor. Well, cool. Congrats, Sasha. I've hung out with Sasha on the road. Yeah, Sasha came to one of our parties. She's also in Denver, and I'm glad that she won the water bottle. Bottle. It's not a cooler. It's not a cooler. It's not a cooler. Shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> okay, uh, we're on all the socials. You know where to find us: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. So I don't know. We're going to dip now into the email portal and right. check in with the family because it's one of the people been writing in and they're saying that the email section is their favorite part of the show. Wow, which is cool because in year one people were like, "Ooh, why do you do that?" Yeah. and now it's it's quite the opposite, which I'll take. Love well, it. I'm inviting everyone, including you two knuckleheads, to join us now on what we lovingly refer to as the email
Okay, how, or what are we doing? Are we doing? All right, we got six. We have six emails. There's three of us. Each of us are going to read two. I'll start, then Clint, then Paul. How about that? Lovely. Okay, lovely. All right, our first email is from Brian Reynolds. He says, "Good day. How do? <laughs> thank, thank you guys for your consistent content, and I'm I'm happy to, uh, that you guys are hooked up with a great new artist. We need a full band gig in Atlanta, though. Uh, my brother and fellow patron turned me on to you guys. We have seen Metallica together at least 15 times. Some highlights, December 31st, 1999 in Detroit. The infamous Kirk in a Cowboy Hat show in Atlanta. I was at that yes. show. Amazing. And then Bonnaroo in Tennessee. Um, also, uh, to show you the power of Melt Your Podcast, this is crazy. I ran a 55-mile ultra marathon a few years ago, and I only listened to Melt Your Podcast episodes what? to get me through it. <laughs> that is you unreal. helped mitigate the suffering. So. Brian ran a 55 mile ultra megathon, a marathon, and listened to nothing but me and Clint talk about. See what's funny about that, and you gave the water bottle to Sasha Middleton. (laughs) I know, right, Middleton? (laughs) Sorry. What's funny is that we helped mitigate his suffering by 55 hours of us talking about Metallica. I can't think of a way to punish my wife more. Right. Than to make her listen to 55 hours of, of me you talking, talking about, about Metallica. Metallica. You know what I didn't notice? It would be hell for her. Recently, uh, every once in a while, I'll, I'll get on my wife's Spotify account. And one day, I noticed in the recently listened to was Melp Your Podcast. I was like, I was like, hey, babe, you listening to Melp Your Podcast? And she was like, I really like the ones with Paul. <laughs> she likes the Tangent City episodes. Oh, she just skips sweet. it every time we're talking. Just to, yeah, she's so like, where's she Paul's voice? Here's Paul's sultry, so Mississippi more smart accent. than those guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyways, uh, Brian uh, ends his email by saying, uh, Beanstalk Sitch. Oh, I like to run, obviously. Hey, this is ongoing, dude. Get used to it. Uh, I like to run, obviously, and one of the first things that runners uh, chase are called FKTs, fastest known time. So I would want to climb the stock first so that I could at least be the first to have the FKT. Others may come after me and beat my time, but I would always be the first. Uh, also, here's some meat puns for you and your projects. Uh, Lunar Salmon, <laughs> Clint Wellington Beef. <laughs> this is for my record. Salida Del Taco, La Tuna. Uh, we Ride the Salami, Ham Fuck. This is my favorite. Set the Grill on Fire again. <laughs> uh, yeah, he said, Brian says, uh, really appreciate all that, uh, all that you guys do and your tangents make the show Uniquely entertaining. Well, guess what, dude? This is a whole episode of tangents. Here's the thing, though, and here's my main point. I, we need to get Paul to weigh in on the beanstalk sitch, right? Okay. Because it's the greatest question of our time. Mm-hmm. And by the way, everyone's welcome for that. How one answers this question says a lot about everything that you are, right. in my opinion. Now, he's saying he wants to get this FKT, the fastest known time. Mm-hmm. Not, not to be confused with an NFT. <clears throat> well, here's the deal, Brian. FKT doesn't exist anymore after the beanstalk it wipe you're going to come down from a beanstalk where magic is real and everything you ever known to be true is no longer true no one cares about fkts anymore homie. well don't you think the beanstalk theory would prove the fact that time is a man-made construct time is absolutely man-made right so how could you have the fastest right, time exactly. if time doesn't exist exactly yeah everything measure everything we measure things by and again just to give you guys a good example 24 hours after the beanstalk, the new currency in the world, bones. Bones. <laughs> yeah. We're, I, I, <laughs> we've talked, we've so, discussed this at length. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, you guys ever checked out uh, Lord of the Flies, William Golding, yeah. the conch shell? The, yeah. new, the new king of the fucking hill is whoever has the biggest bone crown. Right. Period. That's it. Do, so we're, Your guitars are worthless. Because it's been a minute since I've been here. <laughs> Where does spiritual math fit into the beanstalk situation? It's all it's a one hundred percent spiritual math. Yeah, yeah. How does it make you feel that I've used your definition of spiritual math? <laughs> Have you with someone to discuss 
how to change the vibe in a room. Yeah, right. Well, it makes me feel good because uh, we it, were, we were I was it was with a bunch of session guys and we were talking about how one of them was like I'm I'm introverted, mm-hmm. but I'll be an extrovert on the session if the if the room needs that energy exactly. And I was like, my my buddy calls that spiritual math. Yeah, right. Was it anyone I know in the room? Uh. Uh-uh. Well, did you credit me? You you, you, yeah. don't, you don't know Ann Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Gibbons. Yeah. So Paul hung out with Billy Gibbons a couple of days ago, and uh, we were kind of geeking out about that a little bit because he came yeah. by the studio, and he's friends with someone you're pr- producing a record for. And I have a great Billy Gibbons story that you guys will appreciate. Okay. Right. And this is this is kind of tangently tapping into the idea. There's a thing we talk about a lot as musicians that tone is in your hands. Mm-hmm. There's a really great example of it, even with the Beatles, where George Harrison who kind of historically didn't have a good touch. I mean, right. obviously a genius songwriter, and, and he's a Beatle. Beatles, right. Right. we know how we all feel about He wrestled the with the guitar. He, he he fought it a lot. Yeah. It, it, it seemed hard for him. And I have days like that. I know, what, sure. I know what that feels like. But he just didn't really have a natural touch, especially later. And there's a great scene in the Let It Be footage where he's playing that Rosewood telly, mm-hmm. and he just can't get anything out of it, and he sort of frustratingly hands it to Eric Clapton. And Eric Clapton doesn't change anything about the amp or the guitar. Yeah. Plays it, it sounds like butter. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you can just see this look on George's face of like, "Fuck." So well, there, there, there's a classic story of Chet Atkins with that. Have well, you heard this? I haven't heard that. Uh, do they still do guitar shows? Like like trade shows and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Nam show. Well, no, no, no. Like like yeah, like when I first moved to town, you go to. Uh, Right, right down here by the racetrack. We're like a trading. Yeah, the fairgrounds. Yeah, yeah. And they, yeah. they, all different guitar, guitar vendors would yeah. have. Yeah, they still, tables, do, they still so. do those. Okay. Yeah. Or people would bring their like private collections and. Right, right. So apparently, Chet Atkins was at one of these things, and he picked up some guitar that was for sale, and he's playing it, and people started to gather around, and some of them didn't know who he was, you know, and they're like, they're like, what year is that? You know, that sounds amazing. What what pickups are in that? You know, just asking all these questions, and finally he just sits the guitar down on the stand, and he goes, "How does it sound now?" Mm. Mm. To your point, love it. It's all in the hands. Right. So I was doing a gig with Bob Schneider at um, at South by Southwest. Rachel Ray, who's a friend of ours, puts on a big show every Saturday the, of the Southwest. Chef? Yeah. Oh, cool. Sure. Her and Bob are really tight. She's so cute. And so I became friends with her and her husband John Cusimano through working with Bob. And Bob, she, he's one of her favorite artists, so we always play this big day. In fact, one of the one of the years, the headliner that night was Scott Weiland. Cool. And that, I I may have told the story before, but me and Scott exchanged like a. He said, "What's up to me?" Yeah. Ever told you guys that story? No. We had already played, and you know, you guys know what I look like. I kind of look like a guy that plays music, kind of yeah, like sure. both of you, right? Yeah. And. Uh, I was standing right outside of Stubbs. We'd already played, and I was trying to get an Uber out of there, and Scott Weiland and his whole posse are walking up. Scott Weiland looking as cool as he always looks. That motherfucker looks like a rock star 24 Sunglasses at sure. night, I'm sure. He was just thin as a rail, cool yeah. jacket. And I was looking pretty cool myself. I'm not going to lie to you dudes. I was looking pretty goddamn cool this day. You had your Freddy Krueger sweater on like you do right now? Exactly. And I was wearing a Freddy Krueger glove, which is really <laughs> yeah. weird. And my skin was all burned. Does that make it hard to play guitar? <laughs> Not when you rock as hard as I do. But he didn't have yeah. the fedora, fedora on. That was no, I didn't have the fedora, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but he walked by me, and I, I think what happened is he thought I was somebody more famous than I am. Right. And he stopped, and he turned around, and he like lifted his sunglasses up, and he was like, what's up? And I just pretended that I was the guy he thought I was. Sure. I said, what's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> I so, love Henry Steele, love song! What's up, man? 
so anyway, this is that gig, all right? So we're playing Stubbs, and uh, Rachel, okay, so there was a band playing that, uh, well, they weren't very good. Okay. Okay? I I don't know why, maybe the sound was wonky for them, but we'd already played, so Bob and I were standing kind of side stage watching, and the band that just didn't sound great, Uh, I don't want to say who it was, um, they're like, hey, we have a special guest, Billy Gibbons is actually here, because he's friends with these dudes. Wow. And they're like, he's going to come out and do a jam with us. Is that cool? Have you guys ever played Stubbs outside in Austin? Yes. Big mm-hmm. outside. Yeah, yeah. It's a really cool yeah. little area. You put maybe 1,500 people out there. Yeah. And it was packed. It was fun. Billy Gibbons comes out. None of his gear is on stage. Like, you could tell he was just like there hanging out. They came up and play a song. He takes the guitar off the guitar player, who five minutes earlier, I'm going, this dude's tone is not happening, man. Right. He puts that same guitar on. He walks back to the amp and goes, bing. Bing, bing, made these little adjustments to the amp, turned around, and he started playing Sharp Dressed Man, and it sounded like ZZ Top. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. It's in the fingers. And I, I, and Bob was like, I was, I was telling Bob, I was like, dude, it's in his fingers, dude. Yeah. That guy sounds like Billy Gibbons whenever yeah. he plays. It doesn't matter. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Can well, I tell you, <laughs> when he walked in the other day, so uh, Chris Donegan, who you know, mm-hmm. was playing guitar on the, the record I'm producing, and he told me, uh, he called me over the weekend and said, hey, my dad, it's been a really long time since he's ever seen me working in the studio. He's getting older. Would it be okay if he dropped by the session? His name is Billy Gibbons. Yeah. <laughs> and so so we started out the day with Chris's dad in the control room watching That's really track cool. song. Right. And the artist was totally all about it. Very uh, grateful for that, right? He's out in the kitchen when Billy Gibbons walks in. And Billy, uh, the bass player, happened to be walking out into the kitchen right when, right when all this went down. He said that from his vantage point, he saw Billy Gibbons walk through the door. And he, he said, hey, man, what's up to Chris's dad? Mm-hmm. And Chris goes, uh, Chris's dad goes, I'm Chris's dad. <laughs> and and <laughs> he said Billy Gibbons goes, Right on. <laughs> right on. And that was it. <laughs> that's a pro, dude. Yeah. That is a pro. Because that's the answer. Right on, man. Yeah, right Hell on. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Not like, I don't know who Chris is. Right. He's I'm a- Chris's dad. The only right other on. thing that would have been would have been more funny is if, I don't know if Billy Gibbons has kids, but if, let's say he had a daughter named Chelsea, if he was like, I'm Chelsea's dad. Yeah. <laughs> man. Uh, right on. That is so I'm cool. I'm Chris's dad. Right on. Right on, brother. Right on. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, you're Chris's dad. Hell yeah, you are. That is so oh, sweet, dude. man. I love Chris Donegan. Yeah. He, He's he, awesome. He, he, like you, he, when I first got to town, and maybe even right before I got to town, he was a guy that I could, that I called all the time and yeah. texted all the time, either to like, he let me borrow a power supply for a memory man once. He's that guy. Yeah. Or I would call him and ask him about like, in, what do you do for insurance? Like, just kind of mentory. Yeah. Right? How do you, live in Nashville and do this for a living. Sure. Man, he always... And he's like, I don't know. You tell me when you figure it out. <laughs> well, well, now 10 years later, and he's more of a peer than a mentor. Right. I'm like, oh, yeah, we don't... He didn't, you know... It's like when someone asks me stuff, I'm like, dude, I'll, I'll tell you whatever I know, but I don't know that. We're, we're all still right. trying to figure it out. You know? It's a constant battle. It, yeah, it evolves. Yeah. All right, sure. our next email. <laughs> yes, our next email. I remember last time we had Tangent City in here, I think... The emails literally went the entire episode. Okay, all right, That's cool. Tangent City, so here we go. All right, Mark Faber says, Hello, me and Clint and Ethan. I've really been enjoying the balance of show types lately, 
especially considering that you both have been back in the saddle of touring again. I'm back in the saddle again. It's my favorite Blink-182 song. Great. <laughs> Thank you for singing it. He says, I'm late to the game here, but absolutely loved the Beatles episodes and hope to hear more special shows about your favorite bands going forward. I've always felt Metallica is ancillary to the mission of the podcast, which is spreading love for good music. Anyways, I wanted to chime in on the Hetfield-Ulrich partnership. I find the credits of Justice interesting because it explicitly gives James credit for harmony, melody, and lyrics. This seems to be the only record that spells things out this way. To my knowledge, this is the most accurate description of their songwriting. Can you bring any clarity to why it was written like this with love, Mark Faber, in Nola, Pennsylvania, New Jersey? I never noticed that, but I looked it up. I didn't either. Yeah, he sent a, he sent a little photo of the credits as well. Well, here, here, but here, I, I, let me clarify something about that. When James, when it's credited to James as um, melody and harmony, it means guitars. Mm-hmm. So melody, so, harmony, and lyrics and, and rhythm it. guitars. So what he's, I don't have it in front of me. If you guys want to, if you want to pull it up, maybe what it actually says yeah. on the record. Where's my phone? But it's it's worded something like all rhythm, melody, and harmony guitars, Hetfield. Mm. So I don't think that was meaning harmony and melody singing. Does, right, you guys like see what Kirk I'm saying? Kirk did all the solos. Kirk just did solos. Right. Which I knew that they did that, but I didn't know that it was ever credited that way. And that's the only record mm. where it is credited like that. <laughs> the first thing I, when I opened up the attachment that Mark sent, the first thing I saw was Dear Mother, Dear Father. Earth. <laughs> Earth. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um yeah, all harmony, melody, and acoustic guitars on all, on all songs. Yeah, and the second solo in "To Live Is to Die" by Hetfield. There yeah. was there was times in in since this podcast has been on the air mm-hmm. where we've, I guess, were unsure originally if that was him playing the solo "To Live Is to Die," and it's in the fucking liner notes. <laughs> yeah. We knew it was him. I mean, I mean, I feel like at some point, maybe it was pre podcast. I don't know, but to um, me, that sounds like dudes that need to get over themselves, and they did. I wonder, yeah, I wonder what would compel someone to put that. Ego. That's just ego, huh? I guess so, yeah. Because you know what F. Heffel probably really thought? Is he probably thought, well, I'm the one doing it. Right. And I guess people would just assume that the lead guitar player was doing all the fun color. Totally. And James is like, actually, I'm kind of doing all the fun color. And he, he did exist in that world, but I feel like he moved on to seeing the big... It's basically... yeah. Is it about cares. you or is it about the, band. the collective? Yeah, because who cares? And I, I guarantee you, I bet you the song that was really sticking out to him was the intro to "Injustice for All." That really pretty, mm-hmm. right. you know, and the "To Live Is to Die" picking pretty stuff, yeah. like the real classical sounding stuff. Do you he think, probably thought like that's some cool shit, and I want everyone to know. I was do you yeah. think any of it had to do with Cliff being gone and Jason being new and like hammering it home? Like, I don't know, like no, because it's more guitar. Yeah, I don't think anyone would have right. thought maybe that was Jason. No, I wouldn't think they would be Jason, but maybe him just like putting, you know, putting his foot in the ground, like this is what I do. So, so we, so we clarified that that he just means the guitars, but I don't know if we've talked with Paul about the kind of unusual what I've called the handshake deal. Handshake deal, yeah. Where all the songs except for Motor Breath, strangely, right. Motor Breath is just credited to Hetfield. Every other <laughs> song is Hetfield Ulrich at least. Mm-hmm. Now there are of course a handful of songs that have. Sure. Cliff and a handful of three songs that have Jason, some all of Death and Magnetic, me too. Some Mustaine, unfortunately, <laughs> and Death Magnetic is all Rob Trujillo's on every one of those. Mm-hmm. Insane Anger, Bob Rock's credited for yeah. every song. Uh, Trujillo has one credit on Hardwired, right? But the Hetfield Ulrich thing, I mean, Lars is not writing these songs, right? So it's an it's a handshake deal. Well, I've listened to <clears throat> to. 
y'all hypothesizing on all of that. Mm-hmm. In, and you agree with everything I've said, right? <laughs> I, I think that... Just like my wife does. Yeah, yeah. I think that... I think that at some point, the conversation changed to the collective versus the individual. And much like uh, Lennon and McCartney, mm-hmm. although they're both songwriters yeah, in their own rights, I think that it, from where I sit, if to live in a world where you get Metallica, we have to divide the songwriting as... Hetfield and Ulrich, then I'll take that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I I do think you're right in that it's like the handshake deal. And I understand and, actually why it annoys Dave Mustaine. But so, I w- I will also say, James maybe not now but historically needs a Lars. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Because of crippling, uh, you know, self doubt. There are some really interesting areas of this band where James is very passive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For example, if you watch any tuning rooms, James does not care what happens in that tuning room. Right. It's a lot of Lars going, well, what do you guys want to do? And every time that happens where they're kind of like, what are we going to do? James always defers. He's like, "He's like, whatever, just name a song. Yeah. I don't care. You tell me. Yeah. I don't think James cares about the set list. I think maybe when you have something like S&M 2, you may have James going like, hey, I really want to do Unforgiven 3. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think in general, he does not care. <clears throat> Lars is the guy. And then also, really, the foundation of their songwriting is, what I believe happens is, James records, he writes the riffs, and he puts them all on riff tapes. Lars decides yeah. where the riffs go. And you'll see it in the making of Death Magnetic, the making of Hardwired. You'll see Lars saying, and then this riff will go here, and James will kind of like work it out. And because he's just a great composer and a great writer and a great artist, he'll 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 bridge riffs and he'll kind of figure it out. But he doesn't seem to have a lot of care about. He's really not the one going. Oh, you know what would be great here is this, mm-hmm. and then we'll do that. He's kind yeah. of just like, whatever. And then once it's done, he it seems like he takes a lot of ownership, obviously, of the lyric and the melody. Sure, yeah. He's the singer, but they do that last. Yeah, that's that's rare. I will say this: I think that Lars could be the drummer and the brains behind the business of a different band and james couldn't be the the singer of anything else but metallic yeah mm-hmm. yeah if that puts it into a context i think that to to your point he needs structure around his life like like i don't care what we play you tell me what yeah. to play yeah he, i think the the because he's what he's getting out of it is way more personal and has nothing to do with the business of Metallica. That's why he's so adverse to it when he's coming back from therapy and in some kind of monster. Yeah, you know. Well, think about it too, like in the you know early incarnation of the band. I mean, James was this shy kid that you know painfully shy didn't even want to be the lead singer in the band. Yeah, even after Kill 'Em All, right? You know, and Lars was always like at the forefront of anything happening to music. He was doing the tape trading. He was following bands around. So he was already kind of like a natural born leader in that band. Yeah. And that's just my guess is that just kind of is what fell into place in how they do things and how they operate. And it's just that way to this day where James is like, that's why he's so uncomfortable in some kind of monster when everyone else is writing lyrics and he's just yeah. like, you know, but I think he needs that. And Lars is the guy to give him that. Yeah. You know, and so 
Yeah, I guess you know it makes sense as to why Lars, I guess, would have credit on it, even though he's not a writer. They just complement each other. Like the inner, it's it's like Lennon McCartney. It's like yeah. the, they just those two puzzle pieces just amazingly fit mm-hmm. so well. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And scene. All right, uh, Paul, you're up with this next email. Oh, right. you get a full page. Email. Kyle S. Period. Period. <laughs> Underlined. <clears throat> I need help with the first three words of this. What's up, brothers? <laughs> <laughs> and greeting from. I'm going to butcher this. Kanagawa? Kanagawa? Kanagawa, Japan. This is the Japanese email. Yes, New about. Jersey. See, it's everywhere. Everywhere. Back during SM2 press cycle, Kirk and Rob appeared on the Japanese morning show, Sukiri, to, to promote the album. While it was a pretty short segment, less than five minutes, there were a couple of funny and interesting moments I wanted to share. The first guests, the first thing guests always do on the show is say, what they had for breakfast. Kirk and had croissants and Rob had eggs and tortillas. You can't take the you can take the man out of California. <laughs> That's right. But you can't take the California yeah, out of the he had man. fucking breakfast tacos is what he had. <laughs> Kirk even showed off his dirty plate for the host as evidence. Like you, anyone was doubting what, it. Did he, no, he, did he bring it with him to the TV studio? Kirk, you said you had croissants? I don't believe it. Um <laughs> I'm guessing it was probably a it's probably a, filmed a, a at zoom. the table. Oh, it was probably yeah, like a yeah, zoom yeah. thing. There you go. Yeah. Kirk said that he's never going to retire and he wants to die on stage. Wow. Uh, okay. Okay. I, I thought that once in my life. Duly noted. I always said I wanted to die at the mixing console being like, that was a great take. Let's do... Oh. <laughs> 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 do what? What, Paul? <laughs> uh, Rob talked about how he was trying to play more guitar and piano and said that it was nice to have different outlets. One of the hosts asked how he could become a cool adult. Like the band, and Kirk's response was, "Eat a lot, to, <laughs> eat a lot of vegetables." Yeah, was it Kirk or Mr. T? What the heck? Yeah, for real. Eat your greens. And say your prayers and your vitamins. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Hulk Hogan over there. Kirk said that his most rock guitar, rock and sorry. Kirk said that his most rock and roll moment was the '91 Moscow show when the helicopters flew over the crowd. I mean, that is one Pretty of the hard most to sick looking yeah. shows ever. I watched that video maybe three months ago. I mean, the helicopters are like. What fifty yards above the crowd? It's like they're so low. Yeah, I find that a curious thing to single out as his biggest rock star moment. Not winning a well, Grammy. Dude, there was a million people there wearing a cow- he, cowboy he hat in Atlanta. Well, I just feel like he's singling out the helicopter part. Did y'all? Did I tell you about the uh, Dean Delray interview with uh, who's the photographer that shot all that? Stuff? Ross Halfen. Yes. Ross Halfen. Yeah, I haven't heard that. Oh, dude, and he, he gets so many cool guests. He was he, talking about how he talks they, to Ross. Cool. They bribed, they bribed the Russian army right. to get up in the helicopter to be able to film the stuff. Man. And that's what you see. Wow. wow! They literally paid dudes off. I wonder to, what they paid them. I mean, probably in liquor. Probably 20 bucks. Vodka. I think he says something <laughs> about like, You know vodka. we make vodka here, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's stock He was everywhere. just talking about all the craziness that they went through to be able to put that show on. There's a, there, I'll now tell a Pink Floyd story. Um, I read a really great Pink when Floyd you knew, book. When you knew Pink Floyd? <laughs> is this when is this when David Gilmore saw you on the street in uh, in London looking yeah. cool as shit? And he said, "What's up?" And I was like, "David Gilmore, I love you." And you're like, "What's up, mate?" Remember when you were here? What's up, mate? <laughs> no. So there's a story about Pink Floyd. When Pink Floyd in the '70s, they ruled the '70s. They were one of the first like huge stadium bands, and they were playing some show probably in you know in Europe somewhere, and the shady promoter shit. It's like 70,000 tickets sold. Yeah. 
and I'm getting I'm going to butcher the story, but the essence of it will come through. The spiritual math okay. will add up. Let's do it. <laughs> Roger Waters goes. Uh, he kind of had a James Brown thing where he wanted to get paid in advance, right. and the promoter's like, "Here's your money. We sold whatever, sixty thousand tickets sold. Here's the money." And Roger Waters, who had been so famous for this, is probably five years into them playing stadiums. Roger Waters goes, "That's more than sixty thousand people. That's ninety thousand people. I know what it looks like." I'm not playing a single note. I want to be taken up in a helicopter, and I want to be able to look at the crowd. He gets in a helicopter, circles the stadium. He's like, that's 90000 That's not 60000 The promoter was trying to shake him down for like $3 million. Wow. Crazy. To say it was 60 because he was just thinking the crowd's so big. But Roger Waters was so familiar with playing to crowds that big wow. that he knew it wasn't right. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. I hope some data also know that. I'd love to fly in a helicopter above Our Exit equivalent Inn is and... being down at, at Exit Inn being like... <laughs> there's look, there's more than 600 people here. There's there's definitely 450 people here. Okay, I can tell. When I, was in, when I was in cover bands in Birmingham, we would pay a guy to click the door, to yeah. do a people clicker, because the clubs kept ripping us off. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. But the thing is... It's a like, tale as old as It time. really is as old as fucking time, yeah. dude. Mm-hmm. And oh, But yeah. then I remember we paid a buddy like 100 bucks to do a, you know, a head count, and we confronted the guy at the end of the night he basically was like, I don't give a shit. I'm yeah. not, I, you can either accept, let's just say it was $1,000 and really he owed us $1,700. He's like, you can take $1,000 or you can take $0. Yeah. And we, there's just no recourse. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, it was just robbing us. Yeah. yeah you're, they, damned, you're damned either way. <laughs> there's a road manager that I know that was a promoter for a long time and, and he did two back to back shows with James Brown in LA somewhere. And he wanted that cash up front, right? And so uh, they played the first show and James Brown, uh, someone came and got my promoter friend and said, James wants to settle. And he's like, it's not the end of the night. You know, we still have another show to do. So they go backstage and James is sitting there with his, his like, you know, two dudes, Mm -hmm. like bodyguard people. And he's like, it's time to settle. And he's like, you haven't done the second show. And he's like, I'll do the second, the second show when you, when you show me the cash for the, the night. And he's like, I was going to pay you off of what we make at the bar. Like, that's where the cash is coming from. Uh. And he's like, no can do. And his band is on stage, like. Vamping, like warming up. Yeah. And he's like, I got all night, dude. You know? So my buddy had to, like, call a friend and pull a favor to get cash. Wow. To pay James Brown so he'd go go out on stage. Do you know how much it was? I think, I I really don't know. Yeah. Uh, And hoping that it all worked out at the end of the night when he got the bar money. I'm telling you, dude, people who who get into like promoting gigs or it's like or shady, events, dude. it's basically, you know who it is? Uh, I'm thinking of someone we all know, but it's basically gambling addicts. Yeah. It's ba- it's basically like gambling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Promoters who take on, one of the most interesting rock and roll books I've ever read is called Kiss and Sell. And it's a tell-all book by one of Kiss's former accountants. Oh, wow. And he basically just, does the actual math yeah. of like kiss in the eighties. Not spiritual math. No. Actual math. No, when re- it comes re- to ki- real ass math. When it comes to kiss, there's not a lot of spiritual anything going on, dude. <laughs> I mean I, kiss maybe is a very love, carnal love gun's pretty spiritual, right? I mean you pull the trigger of my love gun, dude. Yeah. That's basically about that's jihad for Jesus right there. <laughs> oh God. <dude. laughs> oh, it's coming back around. <laughs> it's the holy war, dude. You need a love gun for a holy war. But it's anyone is interested in that, it's called Kiss and Sell. You don't have to even be a KISS fan to dig it. But it's a when book. He, when he yeah, it's a book called Kiss and Sell. And when he goes into the details about like he break he he breaks down like a um 
like a 1985 20-date South America kiss tour. And right. he just breaks all the money down. Wow. And he it gets a lot into like promoters, the risks they take. Now, if you book a big show and it's and you sell all the tickets, a, pr- a promoter can make a lot of money. Yeah. But if you fucking tank, if if the band's not hot or there's competition down the street or if people just don't come, yeah. or you make a weird side deal with like the booze or the concessions or the merch or the band pulls out and you have to pay their insurance. Yeah. He just kind of goes into like, it, it makes it sound amazing that anything even happens. Yeah. Yeah. Think about major tours. How do those even happen? It's right. crazy. It's still the wild, I mean, it's the wild it's cr- West. It, yeah. The, uh, just absolutely 100% true story. I was in Brazil on tour. Come to Brazil. And, uh, <laughs> We chartered a flight, a private plane, to go from like Belo Horizonte to Rio. And is this uh wherever you go? No, no, not Richard Marx. This was a different artist <laughs> that has three names. And uh Oh, I know. And we all loaded in the plane. There's like ten of us. And there's there's no wall between us and the cockpit. So the, the pilot's right there and the promoter's in the jump seat, right? Tiny plane. And the pilot started yelling at the promoter in Portuguese. We couldn't understand what they're saying. And the pilot pulled out a gun. Oh, yeah. I've heard this story. Whoa. I've never heard this story. And basically... Mid-flight? No, no, no. Before, before they took oh, off. Oh, God. <laughs> basically shook the promoter down said, I'm not taking off unless you give me ten grand in cash. And the promoter started arguing it with him. It wasn't even like a thing he owed him. He just... It was just... He, he, he was shaking him down. Him. He just yeah. Yeah. robbed him. Yeah, totally. And pulled out a gun and said, I'm not taking off. I'll shoot you. You know, whatever. I don't know what they said. Wow. And he had to pay him so that we could get to the next city so that he could not lose his shirt. Man. Jeez. That's wild. Should we finish Kyle S's email? (laughs) Where are we at? Um, Unfortunately. Or that was the last thing you read. Yeah. 91 Moscow show. Unfortunately, it seems like most of Rob's answers got cut from the segment. But I thought the listeners might like to hear about a fun interview they'd probably never know happened. The interview aside, I do have a question for you both. And I'm going to edit that and say, I do have a question for you three. That's right. There we go. Let's say that the boys decide they want to put James Bees to work and start selling the honey. Here we go. What Metallica-themed name should they give it? A blackened whiskey? A hive hive of the bee holder? (laughs) Honey in the jar? What do you think would be best? Oh, I wasn't prepared to do a pun riff. I mean, sesh. have a little, 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 little PRS. Mm. Uh, it's the house that bees built. Man, that's pretty good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Prince Charmby. Charmby. Charming. Charming. <laughs> I'm not prepared for this, man. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a cocktail. I'm fucking. I've had a long day. <laughs> it's hard to be punny when you're tired. I know, man. Yeah. I mean, I have a natural genius for comedy. Anyway, mm. we all know this. That's but true. I'm just not really feeling it. Hmm. That's okay. I mean, I, I think I think his uh, Kyle S's Kyle S periods suggestions to are, live is to are really good. Hive of the beholder li- is really to good. To live is the hive. To, to live, live is the hive is good. Hive. Yeah, that's a good one. That's I think that's sadly that's all I got. That's My okay, friend man. of miserby miserby <laughs> That's <Yeah>. so bad. <laughs> Sad be true. Oh, that's dude. really bad. That's yeah, pretty bad. That's <laughs> At least we can all acknowledge. Listen. Let's bring it back to some spiritual math. I'm doing the spiritual math now, yeah. and this, our vibe isn't really set up yeah. right now. That's to, okay. To riff heavy on some B puns. Anyway, 
I'm hoping the band <laughs> makes it out to Japan sometime in the near future as they haven't played here in almost 10 years. And I'd love to see them live for the first time. If you ever make it out to Tokyo for a tour or a trip, then feel free to shoot me a message and I'd be happy to buy you both some beers or take you around the city. There's an area of Tokyo called Ochan... Ochanamazu. Have you been there? Yeah. Oh, wow. That has a entire city block filled with nothing but multi-floored guitar stores. It's true. I got a black LTD snake bite there, and it's my favorite guitar I've ever played. Thanks again for everything you do. Love the show and keep up with the work. Ethan, have you been to that part of town? I have not, no. So, Mike, do you guys know Mike Meadows? I've seen videos of that place. Mike Meadows is the one who told me about it. You guys know Mike? Yeah. I don't know Mike. He plays for Taylor Swift. Cool. Guitar, kind of keys, other guy. By the way, a a kindred spirit when it comes to rock and roll. Yeah. Similar Mm -hmm. age. He's kind of, there's a group of musicians here that are from Virginia. Like, I'm thinking about Devin Malone. Mm. There's kind of a little Virginia group. He hails from that part of the land all right but anyway he told me he was like dude you have to go there you won't believe it and it's true it's like it's basically like broadway so it's like four blocks and instead of fucking honky tonks and shit every store is just a massive guitar store that's awesome tens of thousands of guitars pretty good prices too american guitars yeah gibson uh, yeah Yeah. just guitars how 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 do they get all that stuff i don't know because when i go on ebay and go shipping paul you can like, buy no, an actual plane or a boat. Tokyo is a pretty big city. When I go, look, let's say you type in Gibson Explorer, like the one I just got. Right. For every 10 that are in America, there's literally 100 in Japan. Yeah. I mean, I think mean, there's a big market just for instruments when in general. You shot, when you shot the Digitech flare <laughs> while yeah. I was on vacation watching basketball, having a little bit too much wine, I immediately bought a whammy pedal from Japan. From Japan. Yeah. Oh, you bought it from Japan. Yes. <laughs> That's the only place I could find it for a good price. Yeah, crazy. And also... Do you think... He, he says he wants you know, the band to come back out because it's been 10 years since they played in Japan. Yeah. Do you think they'll bring the taiko drums back? <laughs> the taiko drums? Those those big... Remember oh, the big... Oh, yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Those no. are Japanese, right? Those are gone. Yeah. You know about the ones that they played on now that were dead? Yeah. You know, that was one of the biggest bummers of the World Wired Tour. Yeah, I mean... We haven't talked about that in a while. It... it, it, it you know, it was almost cool for the first time. Like, it wasn't like, cool at all. Well, like, how about this? When, <laughs> Did it really work? When, when we went to Detroit together, and we were walking around backstage with Matt, and and we yeah. and we saw those. Oh, things, they looked awesome. They looked and they great. looked awesome. We're like, oh, what's that for? Yeah. Like, oh, it's this now that we're dead thing. We're like, awesome. Yeah, the execution was not great. Yeah, it got better on the arena tour. Mm-hmm. Where they they actually started putting like triggers in them. Well, they had a whole different thing. It wasn't even those drums. It was like the things that came out of the stage. Yeah. And just a buffet of triggers on top of it or whatever. <laughs> buffet of triggers. Buffet. Feast your of ears trigger. on a buffet of triggers. Um, all right. Uh, thank you, Kyle S. And we hope, listen, we want to go to Japan real bad. Uh, Paul, you've been to Japan, yes? No. I have. Yeah. Wherever you go. I've, I've sadly, <laughs> I, I was in Japan for less than 24 hours. Oh, you can't really do it. Was that a layover? Do you call that? No. Nah, I mean, Did you, you get there. to see anything? One show. You played a show? Yeah. Oh, you played a show and then left that quick. Yes. Why? Wow, that is to a bummer. To go to South Korea. That is a bummer. It, yeah. Yeah. It Japan's was awesome. Japan is one of the coolest places I've ever been. It's the coolest uh, place I've ever I been. I also so I've been I've technically been to Japan. I've also been to New Zealand less than twenty four hours. Same one thing. show. Show, yeah. I did a one off to New Zealand one time. That was a bummer. Like, a one off? A one off. Like for those who know what that means. I'm at home, we go play a show, we fly there, play the show, and fly home. Yeah. 
I did I did stay for like two extra days, but a couple of other guys in my band at the time flew in, played the show, and left the next day. So you got to build in some time to hang. Yeah, you have to. You have. Well, to. I I didn't have control over that. Yeah, that's okay. No, it was one run that went uh, from the states. We played a show in the states to France, to Hong. Uh, I mean, uh, Japan, Tokyo, Tokyo, Japan, to South Korea, to three shows in Australia, to New Zealand. That's crazy travel, man. Yes, it was yeah. insane. And have I ever told you all the story about when I decided? It's time to get off the road. No. <laughs> was it that trip? That trip. So I turned 25 on the flight from uh, uh, South Korea to Australia. Mm-hmm. And we land in, uh, what's the biggest city? Uh, Sydney. Sydney, Sydney, Melbourne, Sydney. Brisbane. Yeah. We land in Sydney. And we go to the hotel. And it's like 8 o'clock in the morning. And it was my birthday. And... The tour manager said, we were, we were staying like outside the city by the airport in like a not cool area. Yeah. And he's like, if anybody, with that. Yeah. if anybody wants to go to the harbor, there's a, we're going to have a shuttle bus at like 11. Like by the right? Opry House? Yeah. 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 And, and that'll take us or down the, to the cool. The, you said the Opry House? The Opera House. <laughs> Opera House. <laughs> That's very Nashville. The Osprey House. He's like, make sure you're in the lobby by 11 and that's your, your ride will spend all day down there. Right. Well, I was so tired and jet lagged from the flight. I did one of those things where it was like, I'm just going to lay on the bed for 10 it. minutes. Oh, yeah. Quick nap. Fell asleep. Woke up. It was like noon. My ride had left. I'm stuck here. It's my 25th birthday. By the airport. So I <laughs> I go down to the front desk. I'm like, is there anything cool? And they're like, there's a mall down the street. And I walk down to the mall. Everything is Korean in the mall. Because I guess... It, this is like a big stop for Korean, uh, North Korean refugees. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And the whole mall's Korean. Did you get a so, Blink One Eighty Two shirt at Hot Topic? So for your birthday, I was like, Sick. I, I feel like I'm where I was twenty four hours ago. Yeah, did you get a Mudvayne shirt? Yeah. Wait. So here's the deal. Did you get a studded collar. <laughs> I I go. They had a movie Pants theater. With big buckles. Black and, eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to hear the story? Did or you not? get a Did you get a Velcro wallet? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> You're, Did you get a Marilyn Manson poster? First of all, <laughs> like a black y'all are one. describing an American mall. <laughs> what do you think? North Koreans don't like that kind of stuff? <laughs> they <laughs> might. Wait, so you got to hear the best part of the story. Did you get some Doc Martens? <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> the best part is you have no idea what I'm about to say and it's going to blow your mind. Did you get some Jinkos? I'm just laughing. <laughs> I'm, just, uh, I'm mainly laughing because I'm picturing Paul <laughs> wear, wearing all this shit. Uh, Paul and Jenko's in a Marilyn Manson t shirt. Oh, okay. Did you get a Massimo switch, no- switch play knife? <laughs> Did you get a skate deck with a fucking skull on it? Did you get an alien workshop work shirt? Did you get like a typo negative beanie? <laughs> 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 oh, dude. Oh, I don't know if my story can even top that. Did you go to my chemical romance CD? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. Just riffing on hot topic shit. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm interested in okay. the rest okay, of the story. Okay, continue. So I'm in this all Korean mall, 
in Australia. And I wander down to the movie theater and War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise was out. Yeah, the right? H.G. Wells yeah. adaptation, yes. I'm like, quite, quite. all right, I'll go see this. I bought a ticket. I walk in. I go to buy popcorn. The guy asked me for my ID to check my credit card. All I have is my passport. I mean, I don't have my passport. All I have is my American driver's license because I left my passport in the hotel. They cut up my credit card oh, no. in front of me. That's like in a movie. Yeah. Just to go see a movie. Denied. Yes. Wow. I, you shall not pass. I, and they won't sell me popcorn. God damn. But I already had a ticket that I bought with the same freaking credit card. And that's when you knew you had to get off the road. No, no, no. It's 10 minutes later. I go in. I sit down with a bunch of Koreans to watch War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. It comes on. It's in it's Korean. It's dubbed, Korean yeah. subtitle. Or, or it's overdubbed. It's dubbed. overdubbed in Korean. Yeah. Are there American subtitles or no? Or not American, sorry, remember. English English subtitles. That I think there were. fun. No, dude. I, as soon as that happened, it was, I'm 25. I'm by myself. <laughs> 25. In a Korean Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> Something has to change in my I life. I love that. Yeah. I just were, had my credit card chopped up. You were 25 <laughs> years old and you'd had enough. Yeah. I'm 43, well, and I'm still like, no, oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, I've been on the road since I was 17. Dude, dude if I had a fucking I time... I was 19. If I had a fucking time machine, I would give you a $100 gift card to the Hot Topic at that mall. <laughs> <laughs> and you would have a blast getting a studded belt. Hell yeah, you would. Uh, all right, well, I guess moving on Are we here. still on the emails? Yep, we got three more. Yeah, we got three more. We only went around the horn one time. And then I actually have some topics I want to get to. Well, let's, well let, we're let, not gonna. Well, we'll see. So? Let, let's bust through this. Next email is from Todd Shepard, who was at the Bridge School Benefit Show that we covered. Wow. Uh, you asked what kind of crowds are at the Bridge School Benefit Shows. Different than any of the shows I've been to, more like a Grateful Dead crowd. Much older and more eclectic. Definitely a Neil Young crowd. Show, uh, shows always sold out fast. Saw the uh, 97 Metallica show. A huge circle pit started in the upper lawn. They're playing acoustic, mind you. Yeah. So there's a great circle pit during Low Man's Lyric. <laughs> Low Man's <laughs> Lyric, exactly. Uh yeah, uh, the pit in the upper lawn, lots of Metallica fans at the show in the cheaper lawn seats, still daylight out. Uh, couldn't get ticks uh, to the 2007 shows as they sold out super fast, then caught the 2016 show. I took a photo of a guy doing a crossword puzzle during the early sets, maybe Cage the Elephant. They always had kids from the school on the stage behind the musicians. It was very cool. It was a great show. Thanks for putting out, uh, putting out a great pod and for all the great music suggestions you put, uh, you put out through your shows. You guys have turned me on to tons of great music. Todd. I haven't heard it called a pod. <clears throat> oh, you haven't put heard the that, abrieve, bro? Put the yeah. abrieve on it. You, you got to put the abrieve. Everyone knows to put the abrieve on it to save, save time. some time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Todd. Appreciate, Appreciate that, that man. All right. Uh, is it me next? Senwal, yeah. a boss, says, hey oh, Clint and Ethan, how's it going? I really like the song Gotcha that you guys played in the end of the year in a life episode. It's kick-ass, and that's some damn good drumming. Ethan Luck on drums, Paul Moak, and his assistant engineer, Zach, yeah. mixed that song. Hey, uh, mixed the hell out of it. Paul's been mixing part of my new record. I've been wearing his ass out with notes. Paul, I haven't and, told uh, you this, but the, you're, I've only heard the mix of Gotcha. Yeah. It sounds fucking awesome. I've, awesome. Dude, I was blasting it on the way here with my windows down. Volume <laughs> at 100%. Hell yeah. Well, a lot of that is Zach. He's Zach's, been doing the heavy yeah. lifting. Which I love Zach, man. I, no, <laughs> Zach rules. I remember when Zach was kind of like the quieter. Yeah. And now Zach's like the, your main dude. Yeah. He's I mean, really come out of his shell. He's, oh, yeah. I, I just love working with him. I would say Zach's he's awesome. my Randy Razorblade. Is he your Randy Razorblade? Yeah. Randy Staub? Is he yeah. your Randy Rhodes? 
Hmm, not yet. That's not me. Yet? Okay. That's me, I think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What, what am I, your Sharon? <laughs> he says, I've also sought out time to check out Morgan Wade since you guys talk. Oh, sorry. Since you guys talk about her a bit on the show, and I thought I might as well check her music out. And guess what? I dig it a lot, man. Beautiful voice. Oh, yeah. He says, recently I got laid off from my job, and that was a massive bummer to me since I was working that job to afford an electric guitar. You guys have been keeping my spirits up, so thanks for that. Hope you're well. And Ethan, please don't get kidnapped again. I will not. Your pal Sanwal, who we call Samwise. Samwise, yeah. He says, P.S. The Beanstalk Talk has me in an ex- existential crisis. <laughs> well, listen, yeah. man. Who knew that one tangent was going <clears> to <throat> I don't even know how it started. the fabric I don't, of... I don't, re- I don't even podcast. remember how it started. It was you and Brad Blazik, right? Was it me and Blazy? Yeah. I no, we've been... No, no, no we, we talked about that before. We've been, oh, we've been really? doing it for like two months now. In a couple months, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, what else is there? What else is there to talk about, really? The Beanstalk is just... I think our next it's always good conversation. I think our next Metallica or a Metal Beat Podcast shirt should be a beanstalk related shirt. Absolutely. <laughs> I made a graphic just for fun. I was bored one day. Someone someone's written in and requested another run of the Paul shirts. Bring it on. Ooh, yeah. It's a good one. You should do a shirt of me at the Bridgestone concert. <laughs> pointing to the, the guy. Pointing to the guy with the Paul shirt. Dude, maybe maybe Tim Brown could illustrate that. <clears throat> Tim, are you out there? Tim. <laughs> Tim. Tim. Hey Tim. Uh which, by the way, thank you so much to Tim Brown, who has just done so much amazing work for us. Oh and, yeah, um, and for and for the uh, the Morgan Wade band too. He did the Morgan Wade Zombies. He did um, my zombie, Paul pick. Zombie. Yeah. He did. Uh, I'm I'm starting a new podcast with Katie Featherston, the actress from Paranormal Activity. He did our thing. That's our that's like right. our logo that looks wow. great and um just a great friend of the show. Absolutely. Shout out to Tim Brown. Um, <clears throat> I mean, dude, we could ostensibly do a run of shirts every month for like the next six months because the way we do it through Everpress is mm-hmm. we just do a campaign where anyone can just, you know what I mean? Like we don't have to go into the hole right. to get the shirts. Yeah, as, as long as as long as people pre-order five, then... I think you have to sell at least five it'll for happen. them to go into production. So what yeah. if it's me climbing the beanstalk and you guys are at the top? What if we're, me and me well, are, the, the are the magical giants? Yeah. I don't know what it needs to be. I don't know if I have the vision for it. Or maybe it's y'all climbing the beanstalk and Samim is at the top. Samim. And Samim is probably up there, man. <laughs> Ooh, Samim, that's a blast from the past. Yep. I really hope that he's or okay. Or is it just one long beanstalk with all the characters hanging off just of Just Because think about who we got. We got Torben. We got Paul Paul. Becky. Remember we her? We got Becky. Becky. We've got... Dave Mustaine. We've got Mustaine, Mega Dave. We've uh-huh. got uh, the Joyces. The Joyces. We've got the Hulkster. You know, the Hulkster, yes. We have Medieval Guy. Oh, Medieval Guy, yeah. Who's the the? Uh, oh, didn't we do a new one? Wasn't Uncle Clint and Uncle Ethan? What were those guys that like? It was a short. It was a short-lived <laughs> thing. Where, I can't even remember what that's ah, like. Forget about it. Was it one of these? Like, yeah, kid. Yeah, you'll I see. Think it was was, like what that. We, what like, about the tow truck? Paw Paw. Well, that's Paw Paw. Oh, that's Paw Paw. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He hasn't been around in a while. Yeah. Mm. Well, the shade of being. <laughs> yeah, he had his own. He had his own poetry hey, corner pa- for a while. Hey, hey Paw Paw. Uh, what would you do if a beanstalk grew in your backyard? Well, hell's bound, a beanstalk goes up to the heavens. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Hey. Like in Super Mario Brothers, he climbs uh, up it. You know? Well, first of all, got the bad knees, see, and it's hard for me to, get, to even get up go to the bathroom. But uh, I reckon I'd climb that beanstalk. I think you still got it in you. Now, what you want to do is you want to pace yourself, because you don't know how high the beanstalk goes. And uh, when you get up there, you don't know what you're going to be looking at. Would you use any, like, climbing gear, like some spikes on, on, on your shoes, kind of like ice climbers? Yeah, I would use, yeah, I got the shoes, got the spikes in them, and I got the various uh, uh, combines and the various uh, 
uh, doodaddies and doonannies that'll help you climb. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> I'm gonna need a harness and a rope, and uh, of course I'm gonna take a tent, probably an REI four-person tent. Uh, probably a sleeping pad. I got to take my medicine, my medications. And, uh, right, right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> got to be careful then. Uh, got to be careful. You never know with the beanstalk. But I reckon I climb the beanstalk. Okay, okay, Paul. You heard, everyone heard it here first. <laughs> Papa would climb the beanstalk. Wait, but didn't Jack chop down the beanstalk at the end of the the fable? Yeah, because he had to close the door to the to the giants, right. man. Is that a door that can be closed? Is it a door that can be slammed? <laughs> <laughs> That's the, that is the question. Oh, dude. Um, do we have one last email? Wait, one last yeah. email for Paul. Yeah, Jay Middleton. What up, Jay? Hey, Jay. Good day to you, sir. Good day, sir. Good day. <laughs> you didn't read the small print. You didn't return the overlapping gobs. Right? Good day, sir. <laughs> you stole fizzy lifted drink. <laughs> Good day. <laughs> Good day to you, sir. It's in that room where everything's cut in half, man. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Uh, what a wild movie, man. I love it. Gene Wilder. Yeah. Wild, dude. wilder days. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> wild <Wilder> days. <laughs> days of the Walker. I am extraordinarily busy, sir. I just wanted to ask about the chocolate. The lifetime supply of chocolate for Charlie. When does he get it? He doesn't. Why not? Because he broke the rules. What rules? We didn't see any rules, did we, Charlie? Wrong, sir. Wrong. Under Section 37B of the contract signed by him, it states quite clearly that all offers shall become null and void if, and you can read it for yourself in this photostatic copy, I, the undersigned, shall forfeit all rights, privileges, and licenses herein and herein contained, etc., etc., fax mentis incendium gloria culpum, etc., etc., memo bis punitor delicatum. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. You bumped into the ceiling, which now has to be washed and sterilized, so you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Dude, uh, <clears throat> tangent. What? I read in an interview that uh, Gene Wilder pulled the kid that played Charlie mm-hmm. aside mm-hmm. before they filmed that scene and said, look, I'm going to be mean to you. Uh, yeah. Have you read this? Don't be scared. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I just, I have sort of a genius about what you were yeah. going to say. That's what, <laughs> basically, <laughs> basically that's what he said is like, I'm going to yeah. be really mean to you and I want you to know I'm just acting. That's cool. How cool is that? That's really cool. The kid's like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> All right. Anyway, he started by saying, good day to you, sir. Good day, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I just like yelling into the mic like that. <laughs> yeah. Our listeners uh, like it too. That's so. Funny. Should I read the whole email that way? Just kidding. I don't know. Screaming. I've honestly, <laughs> I've honestly been asking. Or sorry, let me start over. Good day to you, sirs. I've honestly been. Good having, day, sir. <laughs> Good day, sir. <laughs> you do not win. You do not get the million dollars. <laughs> you lose. <laughs> you you lose. stole lose. a fizzy lifting drink. <laughs> stole an everlasting gobstopper. Oh, it dude. is clearly written in the small print, page 17 of the contract you clearly signed. <laughs> the ceiling has to be cleaned and disinfected. <laughs> we remember a lot of that. This, this, this is a whole other level when, oh, of when dude. Dave Mustaine quotes movies. 
Good day, sir. Good day to you, sirs. <laughs> you lose. <laughs> you stole fizzy lifting drink. <laughs> and now my knees are clammy. Pudding <laughs> bullet. <laughs> Jesus, I have a headache from screaming. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> and laughing. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But I want a golden goose now. <laughs> oh, dude. What's your name? <laughs> I have another story for you. <laughs> Slow down, or you're going to get a stomach ache. <laughs> Augustus Gloop. <laughs> That's where I was going. <laughs> Cheer up, Charlie. <laughs> I want a new Paloopa now! Daddy. <laughs> Daddy. That money was for your cigarettes. <laughs> Remember that shit? <laughs> he was supposed to go buy his grandpa's yeah. cigarettes. Cheer oh. up, Charlie. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. Oh, dude. Oh my gosh, okay. I used to fast forward the Cheer Up Charlie song. It was too much of a downer for me. I recently watched both movies with Nova. We watched the newer um, Tim Burton one, and yeah. then we watched with the Johnny OG. Depp. Yeah. What did she prefer? Uh, she preferred the older one, and Good. I got to say, I agree with her. Because it's way better. And the Cheer Up Charlie song just hit me different. I mean, I probably haven't seen the movie in 15 years, yeah. and obviously as a parent, you worry about being able to take care of your kid. Right. Because Charlie's very poor. Both his grandparents yeah. slept in the same goddamn bed. Yeah, yeah. And they like lived on like potatoes and bread. It's mm-hmm. cabbage, cabbage, just boiling yeah. it and shit. Yeah. And the Cheer Up Charlie song is just, first of all, pretty good song. Yeah. But I, but when you're a kid, that's a boring scene. Yeah, you just want to get to the fun. Anytime stuff. people burst in the song, except like for the shrinking someone, except for the the, the psychedelic boat. No one Dude, knows where we're rowing. Yeah. Well, oh, which way this is going? Is it raining? Is it snowing? That was scary. Some scary is the shit. hurricane a blowing? It's still exactly. kind of scary. It's pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all right, Jay Middleton. Good day, sir. <laughs> good day to you, sirs. <laughs> <laughs> you stole busy lifting drink. <laughs> if you want to be cleaned, <laughs> disinfected. If you want to get anybody joining, getting into church Google mode, just randomly <laughs> yell "Good day, sir." Did Gene Waters' hair is such a great scene. Uh, meanwhile, in the background, it's like, like it's up. going. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> that half clock. Oompa loompa doopity da. He's like busily writing in a, on a paper, yeah. like a really grave matter. Uh, yeah. You've won, Charlie. <laughs> this is all yours. Oh, God. Uh, and then they get in the Great Glass. The Great Glass the Elevator great, is cool. I'm telling you, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, way better than Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. They go to space and shit. There's like weird yeah. space shit happening, yeah. which is really scary. I read both of those books as a kid. Great. Anytime a character goes to space, I'm in. Yeah. Did Jason. All right. Ever heard of Satan in space? Exactly. Jay, Jay's like listening, going like, we freaking read, read my, my damn email. email. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, I'm going to skip the first opening line. <laughs> you sure? I've honestly been having a rough six months at work. Things have changed in my company drastically, and I've gotten to a point where I'm getting severely depressed from it. Most mornings, I'm not motivated to get out of bed. I'm still seeing my therapist every Wednesday and doing the work, but it's seeming hopeless sometimes. Until this morning, when three magical words happened. Hot summer <laughs> nights. I thought it was going to be, good day, sir. Good day, <laughs> good sir. Good day, sir. <laughs> uh, in, her, in his words, holy fucking shit. I'd laugh, I laughed so hard I cried and had 
finally lit out so much tension and emotions built up inside to help realize that n- nothing else matters. Sounds like, so, sounds like Hot Summer Nights basically th- threw a Coke at his chest. <laughs> yeah, seriously. For wow. real. Listening to all of those demos was hilarious, but also brought back nightmares from when I was an intern at a country radio station for the music director and had to sift through the mail and find some gold. Thank you for brightening up the moment while I've been in some darkness. I appreciate both you and all the work that you do. Jay. What a sweet email. <coughs> Jay's awesome. Jay's a sweetheart. Dude, it's all going to work out, Jay. Yeah, Jay. Yeah, life, I mean. <clears throat> life is peaks and valleys. Dude, if you. Just hang in there. It'll, I said it, peace and valleys. It's peace in the valley. Peace in the valley. Yeah, life is one big valley, and you got to learn how to have peace in it. Yeah, and. <clears throat> life is one eternal limp dick. Life oh. is a highway. You know what I I'm talking about? I want to ride it all night long. I don't know that. Some kind of monster. Oh, no? Uh, Phil says, uh, wow, what is it? Life is is sunshine with the occasional rain. Mm-hmm. And Lars looks at him and goes, life is one limp dick with the occasional blowjob. <laughs> wow. That's quite wow. a new take on yeah. the glass half empty half. That's yeah. right, yeah. Well, Jay, hey, man, we love you, buddy, and uh, hang in there. Listen, dude, you're in a cool band. Jay just lost like 100 pounds, by the way. Holy shit, really? Dude, you've lost, maybe you're just hungry, by the way. <laughs> dude, you've lost a ton of weight. You've gotten really healthy. you got a wife. you Amazing. got a kiddo. You're a dad. You're in a cool band. You play music. You've got a lot to live for and wake up for. Yeah, absolutely. You're here. I'm not saying that fixes it. It's not a light switch you turn on off, but I'm just reminding you. I know that a lot of times when I get like that, I just need to be reminded mm-hmm. of all the good things. Right, yeah. So hopefully well, we can do that and, and provide some chuckles along the way. I think it's important for him to remember that every once in a while, there's a golden ticket in that bar of chocolate. <laughs> exactly. Cheer up. Cheer Jay. up, Charlie. Cheer up, Jaylee. <laughs> well, and then... And, and, Jaylee. Ah, whatever rhymes with Charlie. Um <laughs> Jaylee, yeah, you know, and, and like you know, one day you're gonna you're gonna be sitting sitting sweet, looking back on this, and you're gonna look back on this period of your life and say, "Good day, sir. <laughs> Good day to you, sir." <laughs> and with that, we're gonna let you hear a commercial for Patreon. Look, supporting us on Patreon, you get a ton of shit over there, including a download of Hot Summer Nights and Hot Summer Nights Part Two of our commentary. And you might, and you might get a demos. download of Jihad. And you for might Jesus. get Jihad for Jesus if you're lucky. <laughs> uh, and you also get to sleep at night knowing that you're supporting the people that make your favorite podcast. You know, we make it for free. None of it's really behind a paywall. We provide some bonus content over there. It's basically the equivalent of buying me and Ethan a cup of coffee or a beer a month, Correct. which people offer to do all the time. And it really goes a long way. It helps us in keeping this podcast going strong, which we are going strong into year six. Even And we're going to be touring all year. Mm-hmm. But we are committed. There's going to be a lot of road episodes this year, starting in probably June. Love so it. check out the commercial. If you're willing and able, check it out. If not, no big deal. And we'll be back to talk about my Tangent City notes here. Let's do it. Hey, everyone. Clinton Ethan here. And we want to tell you about a little thing called Patreon. Patreon is an easy and interactive way to support the people who make the things that you love. For as little as five bucks a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast can continue to grow in quality and content. That's equivalent to a cup of coffee or a beer once a month. Not only is it easy and affordable, but we've made it a priority since day one to give back to our Patreon community. We've given away deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, black and whiskey, concert tickets to SNM2 and Slane Castle, all four of our Cover Our World Black and EPs, 
26 quarantine covers, and Lunar Satan demos. Invitations to exclusive Zoom happy hours, the ability to ask our guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale, and members of the Metallica crew your very own questions. And eligibility for our Metal Tales series, where you can be a guest on Metal Up Your Podcast and tell us all about a notable Metallica show you've been to. Subscribe to Patreon today and immediately get access to years worth of bonus content. Thank you for supporting the people who make the things that you love. Peace. Adios. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different. Good day, sir! If you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that.